Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible. The entire Bible every year. On Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Sophie will ask questions from the Bible Live leads. You call in with the correct answers and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of The Bible Live, your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Soapy Dollar. Good evening. So glad to have you along with us tonight. Thank you for joining us for The Bible Live. Stacy is alongside me. John is here in the studio ready to take your phone calls, 210-340-9585. That's our phone number here in the studio. 210-340-9585. That's uh, a call in line. You can be a part of the Bible Live broadcast. What is it all about? We make our way through the entire Bible every year. We journey from the book of Genesis, which we started in the first part of November, November the 9th to be exact, on that Monday. We started in the book of Genesis. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and on from there. We have covered now already the book of Genesis. We have just completed the book of Exodus. Now, in general, you remember that the book of Genesis began with the creation of the world, the creation of human beings, the human race had its beginning there. We started out in a beautiful garden in called Eden, and it ended up in a coffin in Egypt. So we, that was our journey in the book of Genesis. And then in the book of Exodus, we started out in the depressing, sad servitude the, in a state of slavery and bondage in Egypt. And we are going to end up, uh, we finish up the book of Exodus now uh, just last week. And we talked about it, it, the book of Exodus ends with the glory of God, the Shekinah glory of God, his presence, his manifest presence on earth being seen and experienced as God's presence filled the tabernacle. Uh, now, what is the tabernacle? All right, that's where we are right now. Stacy. Yes. My beautiful, <laughs> lovely, wonderful daughter. Give a, Try to help the folks get a sense of where we are now. Uh, in the Bible, we've covered Genesis, we've, you know, Abraham, well, Adam and Eve and so on and so on, down to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And then their son Joseph took them down into Egypt or led them down into Egypt. And they, God delivered them now uh, from Egypt with Moses. They came out of uh, Egypt with the ten plagues. We, we talked about all this last week. Now then, where are they, what this mo- this moment where are they physically? What's the setting? And and uh, what is God doing now with these two million people yeah. camped at the base of this mountain? Yeah. Well, I think oh, the overarching is kind of, ha- kind of, I don't know, get the sense that God's, okay, God's got them now right where he wants them, <laughs> if that makes sense. <laughs> just where I just right. Well, he has, um, you know, he, he is fulfilling his... He, the plan all along. Um, 
it it is according to plan. So uh, I think in a lot of it has to do with not only the heart of the individual, but kind of the heart of of a people. Mm-hmm. And um, and so he has now. I mean, it very successfully as God would have God would do um, has truly called out a people group that now for years and what I think is kind of sweet they are ripe for molding and ripe for the law to be given to them they've come out from slavery I mean they are a humble people that have been now for how many generations over 400 over years, 400 years have been an enslaved people humble i'm sure i mean with everything that that entails and have now found freedom um but they have a very ri- a very rich heritage a very rich um probably appreciation for their family and for their people and uh and then now they're and then and then they have a leader who in moses who has been exposed to kind of the glories of Egypt and and also exposed as much as anybody at that point to the glory of Shekinah, of God. And he has chosen, I mean, Egypt paled in comparison. And I think Moses has a really deep appreciation and and, and, and as a foreshadowing of a Christ-like character, I mean, in terms of his... Um, of his leadership and 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 that's kind of where we are so moses um having uh, um moses having experienced that closeness with god having been given these 10 commandments written in the, by the finger of god and now delivering it to a people who are i would propose as about as hungry and ready for that law and for god's presence as any people group of that time to date very interestingly this is and is not a a special moment I, I, and the reason i say that is because 400 years before this, in Genesis chapter 15, Mm -hmm. as you pointed out to us when we were in the book of Genesis, that pivotal pivotal chapter when God actually tells Abraham at that time Mm -hmm. what's going to happen. He says, I'm going to give this land, and he's talking about the land of Canaan at that time where Abraham and Sarah had gone and seen that land. He said, I'm going to give this to you. But 400 years are going to pass first, and and your people will have been removed to a, another a foreign land where you'll be in bondage. And then he said, but when that time is up, the sin, the, the perversion, the wickedness, the sin of this people in Canaan will be, come, be ripe for judgment, mm-hmm. and I am going to bring your people, your and your descendants now, mm-hmm. many years in the future, 400 years in the future, he told him, they'll, be, they'll come to possess this land. Mm-hmm. And so, in a way, it's a new situation for them. None of them were around 400 years before. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're just like us. They don't hardly remember any further back than their father and maybe their grandpa, mm-hmm. you know. But they were unique in that 
they were slaves. I mean, a lot of that time was spent when all they kind of had was stories and 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 passed down from generation to generation of what God told our father Abraham. Yeah, that's the interesting so, thing is that they did maintain their sense of identity. Yeah. Even though they were slaves in Egypt, they were they were slaves altogether. <laughs> they, mm-hmm. they they stayed together. They were a slave people uh, as a as a, as a people group. Mm-hmm. They were enslaved, and they therefore maintained, at least at some level, they maintained their identity, what they remembered of themselves as a people, mm-hmm. going all the way back to Abraham, to Isaac, to mm-hmm. Jacob. To Joseph, who was once the second in command over all of Egypt, and mm-hmm. and th- there were, and then they they realized they became then uh, enslaved in the land of Egypt, but and this is the hardest thing for us, I think, to get a grasp on the world of that time. Everybody, every people group, Egypt, up in Canaan, everywhere, there were, there were so many understandings and ideas of God. Right, yeah. There were so many. Uh, the Egypt, the, yeah. the, the ten plagues that they endured uh, when Moses took them out of Egypt, as you presented to us, Stacy, all of those plagues were, were had many meanings, of course, when we as 21st century Gentiles read the Bible and we see these plagues, we think, well, that's... But when we dig a little deeper, we just think, wow, that's pretty remarkable, all these miraculous uh, things that happen and so on. But each of those plagues in some way related to a false god mm-hmm. of Egypt. Right. And you, you pointed that out they're last week They're kind of a direct well. takedown of... Say again? They're kind of, they were sort of a direct takedown of, of that false god. Each one of those false gods, mm-hmm. yeah. Ra, and you, you, I remember you named them to mm-hmm. us, the frogs and the, the lice and the flies and this, that, and the other. Yeah. Um, so we cannot ever remove from this, and we don't want to ever remove from this story, the aspect that this was a very unique people group in many ways, not only their 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 heritage and their fathers and the way the twelve tribes of Egypt, you know, the twelve sons of of Jacob and each of them they maintained their identity and their different tribes as part of the people of of Israel. Jacob's name was changed to Israel, so they are the they are the children of Israel. And so they still maintained that that people group identity, but even that people group identity w- had its basis in their God. Yeah, yeah. Abraham, and in fact, Isaac, and Jacob, yeah. the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that is what defined yeah. them, that they, they worshiped the one true living God, the creator mm-hmm. whose story they still remembered from the passed down the creation story, Adam and Eve and so on. They still remembered that and that it, it, it all relates back. They had mm-hmm. this spiritual understanding yeah. that they, they worshiped the true and living God, the creator of the world. They didn't, make up their God or they weren't uh, 
um, they weren't inventing a god or, or or some god that somebody else made up. Their, the god they worshipped was, and this is hard for us to say today, but the true and living god, that sounds like we're saying mine's a true one and all the rest of the false ones. No, that's exactly or, what it is. <laughs> that's exactly that's what you're exactly saying. That's exactly what it means, but it's... But it's it's not like theirs was ours is a different god from yours. You know, we're worshiping the true god, the the god who is really well, and, there. And I think the difference is that that's all that they had in many ways, where all these other cultures had all of these Made different kind of gods that had express that had their own set of rules and own set of things that you're supposed to do in order in other words the egyptians were just as much a sla- slaves in a way as the hebrews were they were slaves though to all of the rituals and all of the things that their different gods they were you know right in a, understanding in, of, uh-huh. because that all that reflected on their understanding of themselves right and so the hebrews and yet that they also had power i guess so they they were maybe a slave but they had at least nationally speaking, sort of power. The Hebrews, on the other hand, they had no power. They had no really even rules and regulations necessarily. But the one thing that they did have was a relationship with the true and living God. And I think when they they come out of Egypt, I mean, that's that's what I think is so unique about them at this particular time is they didn't have... A bunch of baggage, I guess, with them, probably literally and figuratively, though. They did not have, they didn't have a Ten Commandments. They didn't okay, what have. What's the difference between their God, mm-hmm. the God that they, God of Abraham, Isaac, right. and Jacob, yeah. their forefathers yeah. and all. Yeah. What was the difference between their God and any and all of these other gods? What made they're in their minds at least i'm trying to get into their heads right now right. what made their what made them grab a hold of their understanding of god and cling to it and 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 even die for it and against all odds and so on what made what made them call their god ours is the true the living god yeah maybe this is the difference is that and maybe it has to do with power truly their understanding and their um their experience of power. The Hebrews were powerless in many ways. And God, the true and living God, was incredibly powerful. I mean, they they were humbled kind of in, in his presence. They were They were able to thank him and give him praise for the things that he was doing for them. So they felt powerless. They knew that they were in reality, powerless, and that he is all-powerful, whereas the Egyptians, I think they probably felt, I, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of yeah, maybe speculating a little bit here, right but now. the uh, all others, they, they, they knew, you know, they, they thought they were the powerful ones, actually. And, and the gods, I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not yeah. positive, but the, but the gods, I mean, you look at the different, uh, you know, immediately when, God turned the Nile, the the water into blood into, well, we can do that too, <laughs> you know, and, and so it was kind of a test of, of power and they did it even to their own demise. Um, you know, I mean, they turned even more water. I guess what I think 
maybe it has to do with they felt that they were the power and that their gods were sort of an expression of just their power. Um, I don't know. I don't know. That, that's no, no. And, and I want to throw that question yeah. out to our listeners tonight. Let's try to get into this book of Leviticus. Let's try to get back. Here we are 2,000, what, 3,500 years later. 3,500 years later, and we're trying to get back. We know so much more now because because, because of Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> this week, Christmas, the Messiah, the Son of God, became a man and stepped into time and space. And we, we know so much more about the true and living God, the God who's really there. Uh because we've had we have the testimony and the experience of all these people recorded in this book the bible they wrote down their history they wrote down their experiences they and and so we have the advantage of all of that and knowing and it gives us greater confidence and understanding that wow the god who is there we are still worshiping the same god the god of abraham isaac and jacob but they didn't know what we know. Now, I'm trying to get into their heads, and, and that's part of what we have to do. If we're going to understand the book of Leviticus, that's where we are now. The people of Israel have come out of Egypt. They took a month, and they journeyed to the base of Mount Sinai, Mount Horeb, meaning a sword. Uh, they are there, two million-plus people. Moses went up on the Mount Sinai. He's received the Ten Commandments and other great numbers of instructions and so on. He came down from the mountain. Uh, they had built a golden calf. We know all of the the folly. I mean, which only goes to show the the humanness of this experience. I yeah. mean, these aren't super men and women. They're, they're regular, normal human beings with all the frailty, with all of the... Uh, weaknesses and the misunderstandings and so on. And, and yet here they are, as you said, Stace, they're ripe for rescue. Mm -hmm. they're, yeah. They've been held in 400 years and, and the generation the generation that has come out, that's all they've ever known mm -hmm. was slavery and servitude and just kind of getting along there. They still remember, though, that the father of them as a people, Abraham and Sarah and Isaac, that they, something unique about them is they worshipped a God that nobody else seems to worship. They, they worship the true God. Now, I think one of the things that separate these people in the, the way they envision God, mm -hmm. it's they don't envision God as, a, as extrapolated from something else yeah. like the Nile River. Oh, that river is so great. There must be a God, the God of the Nile. And so we, right. we call it that. Uh, all of these other gods, they, they oh, look at the sun. We're going to worship the sun God. The God mm -hmm. is, so they, they're not worshiping. Now, I don't know. They can't get in their heads, each one individually, but they saw, they didn't worship the one who created the sun. They worship the sun, <laughs> the sun god. Mm -hmm. Now, some of them may have made the jump yeah. to 
the one who worshiped the sun. But mm-hmm. that's the distinction, I think, between the people of Israel. They don't worship. Their con- their understanding of God is, is a God who spoke, a God who acted, in t- who revealed himself mm-hmm. to their ancestor, uh, uh, to you know Adam and Eve and all of humanity, and, and, and then especially to Abraham and Isaac. And Jay. God, they knew God, they experienced God, and they were worshiping that God who created right. the heavens and, and the earth. And there was never any, uh, there was never any confusion that they are God, are gods. It was always they are God. God wants them. God desires them. God um, is working in their life. He is working for their benefit and for their good. But there's never any confusion where they think that they are God. Whereas, no, they don't think they are God. Right? Never. Exactly. That's what I'm okay, saying. Yeah. Okay. Right. In other words, whereas in other, I don't not but the pharaohs, the, for example. Right. Exactly. So Pharaoh would be the son of. Uh, they always seem to be um, tempted to put themselves up on the level of gods. You know, look at the Nile. Oh, there's a god mm-hmm. from the Nile. I look at, at it, and then they would tempt, and you know, Pharaoh's their golden calf. Or in other words, they would seemingly just raise themselves up to God level. And it uh, maybe I, I don't know. I think that the people I've I've often because I'm Native American, and of course. Mm-hmm. So are you, <laughs> half Apache. Uh, I've always tried my hardest to put myself into the mindset of people, of oh, Native Americans who lived here 500 years ago. Right. Or people who, you know, even in people in the Bible who lived. And I've tried to kind of get myself, and I'm, I'm encouraging our listeners tonight to do the same. This, It's going to be necessary for us to some degree if we're going to, understand the book of Leviticus. Mm-hmm. If we're, we've got to somehow be able to get into the mindset of what made Moses different? What made the people, Aaron, the people of Israel, the 12 tribes, what is it about them and their understanding of God, the the God of all gods, the God above all gods, the King of kings, Lord of lords, uh, in other words, whenever they went to Egypt, they had all these gods, and their mindset was all, those are false gods. Mm-hmm. Those are false gods. Our God, uh, our God is, is the true God. The true. See, that's what I'm trying to get people to say, wasn't to think with me. Theirs is not just the idea that, well, we have a different God. He's the true one, as opposed to yours. Their idea was... By definite, we are worshiping the true and living God. We don't know what He's all perfectly like yet, but our they understood that God is beyond human definition, human symbolism. Uh, it's it's human. Uh, it's not the sun. It's greater than the sun. Our God created the sun. Our God is the one who created everything, and so by definition, they're saying. We're worship, we're worshiping. We're seeking the true and living God, the God. Now, the God who's bigger than any other God, the God that eats all other gods, the true God, not these gods made up. In the, in, and He's the God who has revealed Himself through creation, through nature, and also He has spoken to uh, Abraham and Isaac, our forefathers, and mm-hmm. we, they knew Him. 
So their idea, they just in some in some kind of shallow way, at least they knew God. Let's go to the phone lines. I think our, one of our listeners has called in Franklin. I sure appreciate it. And I'm glad to hear from him. And I'd like to hear what Franklin might say about this. We're trying to get back into the into the experience and the mindset and understanding of the people of Israel as they're coming out of Egypt. Franklin, thank you for calling. Can you add a thought or an impression to what we're trying to, kind of what we're attempting to do tonight? Hi, Sophie. Good evening. Merry, Merry Christmas to you, sir. To you, my friend. Thank you. Uh, I, I think there's a very important point that, that you're kind of you're talking around, but you're, you're a little bit missing. Okay. Uh, you see, all the gods, Egypt, Greece, the Canaanite gods, the you, Babylonian gods, the Assyrian gods, they were all gods of nature. Yes. Jesus and 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 Yahweh uh, was beyond nature they created nature all humankind had been worshiping nature gods Gaia and all this other uh, they were worshiping what they saw in the world not the creator of it all see God is beyond nature and all the other gods were tied into aspects of nature you see what I mean oh I certainly do and and that was what I was in some way trying to say is that instead of worshiping cre- the Creator, they were they were worshiping creation, and it seems yes, like the people nature, of Israel and- understood that they're the true and living God is the one who created all of nature. True, uh, but when you think I about it, you're calling and adding that that insight. Uh, our music has started, so we've got our first segment behind us, but we've laid the foundation for the understanding of the Book of Leviticus. So uh, now let's let's get into the book and talk about God revealing himself through the laws that he gave them at Mount Sinai, reintroducing this people to the the God of their ancestors and, and adding insights about now how we should live, how we should treat each other in light of who the true and living God is. Give us a call if you'd like, 210-340-9585, and The Bible Live will be right back. Don't go away. Boy, what a beautiful song that is. Merry Christmas, dear friends. Merry Christmas, San Antonio. We're so, so hoping that you have a wonderful, wonderful Christmas this time, this year, this, this week coming up, Christmas Day. We celebrate the coming of God's Son, the coming of the Messiah, the Redeemer, the Savior, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Oh, how privileged we are to live in the full light of the gospel, in the light of the completed, fulfilled, redemptive plan of God himself. The Messiah has come. 
the one that is prefigured, that is predicted, the one that is pictured for us in a thousand different ways in the Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures, even in the construction of the tabernacle, in all of the priesthood, and the, the priestly garments, and the foods that they were able to eat, the, and the, the, the things that were pure and impure, and all of these sort of things. Every part of the book of Leviticus is pictured, is picturing the fulfilled, completed, redemptive plan of God found in Jesus, Yeshua HaMashuch, the Messiah has come. How privileged we are and how much more responsibility we have to whom much is given, much is required. So we must be true to God and true to him and to to live for him, to obey him, to trust him, and to share the good news of the God who loves, the God who forgives, the God who welcomes men and women, boys and girls into his eternal family. Uh, what a wonderful place, time for us to live now in this, even with the COVID virus. <laughs> it's, it's a wonderful time that we live in to, to walk in the light of the gospel. But we're back in the book of Leviticus tonight, and I appreciate so much uh, our, our caller giving us this, up, this insight. I was struggling with the concept that, <laughs> that the idea of the false gods and the and the gods who were part of creation, the Nile River and flies and gnats and frogs and, uh, and, and worshiping nature as opposed to worshiping nature's creator, the creator, uh, instead of worshiping the creation itself. And I think you said something significant in the break, Stacy, about yeah. the problem with worshiping nature and, and the powers and forces of nature is that we are part of nature. Yeah. And? And and so in that way, we end up worshiping ourselves often. Um, and we might call it the Nile God, but we're really worshiping our view of what a Nile God might be. And uh, any, I guess any time you're worshiping a created thing instead of the creator himself, you will uh, end up... What is it that ultimately you end up worshiping yourself, yourself mm-hmm. or human human beings, which yeah. is which is actually we've come to and we speak of it in very refined terms nowadays, like humanism. Yeah. But the idea of humanism comes out of that. Once you yeah. start once you start eliminating God, the creator, mm-hmm. a being so immense, so powerful, he's not subject to yeah. any other and that he has created this world, the God, the Father, the Son, the Spirit, that the the who are locked together in a perfect, harmonious, oneness relationship. We can know them, the three, as truly one God, mm-hmm. and and that's a, an important part of of the nature of God is that He's relational, mm-hmm. He's personal and relational and knowable. Well, and I think that gets into the, exactly the heart of Leviticus is mm. that one. It is all about. God's holiness, and yet also his relational aspect. So a trinity that is holy. And so, and, and, and then wanting to extend that fellowship and that uh, relational aspect to human beings, human beings yeah. except he's holy. He is set apart. He is utterly unique. He is holy. He is all about, and, and we are not. And so how does that, how can a, a holy triune God relate with a 
small, broken, death-bound people and that frail and and selfish and finite Mm -hmm. and that is exactly what leviticus begins to 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 start to to put down on paper this this oh how can this supernatural uh transcendent being Mm -hmm. jehovah Yahweh, the the true and living god Mm -hmm wants to invite human beings to know him, wants to fellowship with men, wants to uh wants desires their happiness, their fulfillment, wants to uh transform us into truly good, loving uh people. And and so we, we see something going on here in the book of Genesis, Exodus, and now in Leviticus. When Genesis, you have a promised people. In Exodus, you have a purchased people. And the theme of Leviticus is holiness. Now God is going to, he says, just as I, the Lord your God, am holy, so you must be holy. Mm-hmm. He, he is now going to, he, he has promised people, a purchased people in Exodus, and now we are to become a perfect, a holy, a completed people by God's grace. And none of those are works that we could accomplish ourselves. Mm-hmm. We could not accomplish our own, uh, our own atonement, our own forgiveness. And so he, he has planned from before the, before the foundation of the world, a redeemer, a savior, a Messiah would come, um, a human being who would live a perfect life of faith and trust and obedience and submission to the Father. He would be like one of these sacrificial lambs without without spot, without any kind of blemish or, or bruise, a perfect lamb, and he would be sacrificed on our behalf. He who knew no sin would bear our sin. So all of these pictures of sacrifices in the book of Leviticus, all of these offerings, uh, the the burnt offerings and the grain offerings and the peace offerings, all of these different offerings that are spoken of in the book of Leviticus, they are all pictures of the completed, fulfilled work of Jesus, that one who was born uh, in a manger in Bethlehem 1,500 years after this story. Uh, All of those offerings that we see in the book of Leviticus, the burnt offering, the grain offering, the peace offering, the sin offering, the guilt offering, every one of them had their purpose and their significance in that moment as people practiced these, but they were all pictures of the future of the of the definitive sacrifice, the definitive offering that God himself was going to make on our behalf. And that takes us back to that Genesis 15 where God says, I'm going to walk through. This is a covenant I'm making, and I am going to fulfill on your behalf. And and, uh, And and, and the picture is so beautiful. And so in in many ways, you know, these laws, and a lot of times it's tempting to kind of view a law or kind of an authority and any kind of a law that an authority would oppose as as flouting authority or as something that's Mm -hmm. kind of arbitrary that's um just my way of making you jump through these hoops to realize that yeah but it they these laws were for their ultimate for their benefit for their good these laws were all about to help them get to know him better and better and to experience the fellowship and the joy and the release and the freedom and, and the, 
And the right. goodness well, and for them to understand uh, of to, life, yeah. well, and for them to experience the reality of life, for them to always remember that He is God and they are not. You are God and I am not. And uh, because only in acknowledging the reality and this, of the situation, you know, the the truth of it, would you then be able to properly enter into His presence? Only until you really do recognize, I. Am a, a, a you know I am unclean I am this are you then able to actually um, at least walk into in, into the presence with with truth um, only then are you operating and are you living out your life under with a tr- with the true understanding of who you are and what your relationship to God is I want our listeners to give me a call tonight two ten. Three four zero ninety five eighty five. If you're listening tonight, and we're we're you could we're struggling a little bit with the idea that we live in in two thousand. We're coming up on a twenty twenty one two thousand twenty one years later, and it even another thousand five hundred years before Christ. We're living in such an incredibly different setting. Uh, not only the the technology that we enjoy and the and, and I mean if just think if Moses if any of them could in that era could see what we experience today I mean it would I'm not sure they could even contain it it would be so overwhelming to see what we what we experience and what we've discovered about the world and about you know natural laws even uh, vehicles and so on, airplanes and space travel and all of this sort of thing it's such an incredible incredibly different world, but we are still human beings in search of meaning and significance and understanding and goodness. We're still, those fundamental level, we're still in search of meaning and purpose and purpose and significance and truth. And, and so what well, we have to do now is take all that we know now and try to reflect it back into the lives of Moses and Aaron and these people who were at the base of Mount Sinai their understanding uh, of the Creator, true and living God, the Creator God. They're under, and, and what you were just saying, Stacy, made me think that in our world today, when we talk, when we teach in our churches, and we talk about the Bible and our salvation that we have in Jesus the Messiah, we talk about justification. That by His blood and by His sacrifice, our sins have been atoned, covered, and we are now legally made right with God. We are we are made perfect. We are declared to be holy. It's like it's like you um, you have a whole list of, of uh, misdemeanors and felonies, and you've been to jail, you've been to prison, and and suddenly you get a presidential pardon. And everything is wiped away. You are now made perfect. Your record is blameless. In the in, in, before the judge, before even the Supreme Court justices, they would have to say this: this person is blameless. This person is perfect. There's no, he's broken no law. He he is before the laws. He is totally perfect and blameless. That's what we call justification, and that's what Jesus accomplished for us on the cross when he. Took he that Lamb of God who took away he our sins were laid upon him, we, we are now his righteousness is given to us. So we've been justified. Now God sees us just as if we'd never sinned. Then we enter this 
as justified people, redeemed people, we now want to learn how do I live? How do I treat others? How do I treat my family members and other, my neighbor and my employer and the people around me? How do I behave and live uh, as as a child, a redeemed child of God? So we get into what is called sanctification. We're being made, we've been made holy positionally, legally. Now we are becoming what we already are. We're in the process of growing to become in our lifestyle, in our behavior, in our attitudes, as holy, as set apart, as, as we are declared to be by justification. So that's that's part of this law. That's what they were trying to do. By faith, they believed that, they, that God wanted to know them, that we're part of the people of God, that God receives us, he forgives us, and we are invited to be a part of the people of God. And now we want to learn by faith we're going to obey these laws and these principles and treat each other the way these this says we should so that we can begin to live like yeah. redeemed people. And then they even had this element of being a part of the eternal plan of God. And we see that a lot in the Psalms and the Proverbs. And, and in the they understood that they this was not just something for them. This was about being a part of... Uh, uh, you know, remember God told Abraham, you're going to be the father of many nations and all the nations of the world. We be blessed by you. So they they see those part, themselves part of the glorious plan of God mm-hmm. for all of humanity. And that's I guess that's part of what we see at the last of the book of Exodus. When you see the manifest glory of God yeah. come over the tabernacle and they know that oh, this is not just religion. Mm-hmm. This is not just our little religious. Pra- this mm-hmm. is about. The, the God who is truly there, who manifests himself and involves himself in the lives of men and women and cares about the way we live. That's the exciting thing. If you can get that into that mode when you read the book of Leviticus about becoming holy and living as God's people and treating each other well and, and how important it is. Because there's one of the chapters where two of the children of Aaron are actually killed. They yeah. they. They try to serve God in an unworthy way. Mm-hmm. They don't obey the commands. They they knew the understood them, but they what is it? They burned a fire that was not uh, that was that was forbidden. That God had told them to it, it disobeyed God's laws at the at the way they were to uh, to uh, uh, carry the fire uh, from. They were light their their. Um, and I think at the heart of it, yeah, the fuel from the altar. And they burned it unworthily. And the sons of Aaron, what were the name? Abihu, and I've forgotten the other one. Nadab, mm-hmm. chapter ten, they they died. This was mm-hmm. so. We have to say very quickly that this was very serious. What God was teaching the people of Israel, why? Because He was nation building. The better they understood these principles, and the more they understood that they're important, and they the longer their life. They're going to be able to sustain their faith and walk with God because a lot was pinning on them because God had also promised that the Messiah was going to come through this people group. Right. And it also demonstrates that it's not arbitrary. It's not as if God has established these or that he has put these in place because he's God, although, yes, that is, mm-hmm. but that because he He is God and we are not affects and infects everything. It's not as if you can compartmentalize that and say, okay, well, this part of life is God's, 
but this doesn't really, I am God of this. And the moment that we do start to claim back things from God that aren't ours, that we have no right to, that it becomes dangerous. We start to function in an alternate, in an alternate reality. We start to function in a way that is not true. And when we do that, it always leads to death. Our experience becomes toward moving toward toward death. death. I I was going to say this because, and maybe you can relate this, Stacy, or maybe one of our listeners can help us. 210-340-9585. I want to ask you, men and women, give us a call tonight. If you're tracking with us, we're talking about the Bible here, Genesis, Exodus, and now the book of Leviticus. And we're talking about two million people gathered under a mountain, Sinai. They received the Ten Commandments and we tried to lay a foundation of, of their past, of their history. God, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Joseph, and 400 years in Egypt. And we're trying to get a sense of where they were and what their experience was. And now we, as God's people, 3,500 years later, we're looking at that. What we have to know, it's the same God. The same God that was there on Mount Sinai is the same God we know and worship today. We may know more about him because his revelation has been continual. He has, he has built upon uh, promise upon promise, and, and he has built upon the revelation and the Messiah himself. We have the witness and the testimony of all the prophets throughout the history of Israel, the prophets and the experience of Israel over those centuries. And, now, and then the Messiah himself came. And he has lived, and we have the their early believers in the early church, and so we have all that we're building on, but it's still the same God and the principles of our redemption, the principles of our lives, and our life now as human beings, part of the family of God, those principles are going to be the same. So what do we learn from? The book of Leviticus. What do we learn from the instructions that are given? Uh, The word Leviticus means pertaining to the Levites. So a lot of this has to do with God is teaching the the people of Israel how to worship him, how to experience God in worship, and how to experience God, therefore, in their daily lives. What was the verse that mom was trying to remind us of when we left the house tonight? Uh, She said, read that verse, 1 Peter chapter (laughs) 2. Verse 9, we're talking about the Levites. We're talking about uh, these priests, the, the principles that were given to them. Uh, and look what God, God tells us through the Apostle Peter in the New Testament. He says, but you are not but like are. these other people. You are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. I mean, you, that could almost be a verse coming out of the book of Leviticus. Yeah. He and could I, tell them, yeah. you now, you are right. a chosen people. Right. And I think what you were talking about um I mean, at the, at the heart of it, I, I think we're not that different. Uh, you said you had said what if Moses was, you know, here today and would have seen all of this stuff that, you know, the the technolo- technological advances and all that we know and airplanes and Internet. And I think, you know, Moses was in Egypt, though. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Moses, and at the end of the day, Moses, though, encountered God. And whenever you actually encounter the living God whenever you experience his glory and you are during 
everything else pales in comparison. I mean, it, and I, 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 if you are a Godward person who who longs for and desires true, you know, the glory and and holiness, I mean, you'll do anything uh, to be able to follow him, to to know him, to to be near him. It it reminds me of. Um, even with as much as we have today, and that's really kind of the choice that we have today. I mean, you you see all this stuff, all this material stuff, all of the comforts of today's, and those are wonderful. But all the nothing, pleasures of the world the pleasures, and so on. But it pales in comparison to God's glory and to who God. And once he, it reminds me of that Lewis quote, right? It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us, like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what it what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. And that's from mm-hmm. the weight of glory. And I think that's the idea is God created us for glory mm-hmm. and when we settle and we're too we're too we're too easily we too easily content with right with a golden calf or mm-hmm. with um you know with 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 this with with ourselves or with our you know ice cream or with our you know, we're too, and and god's saying no i i offer you life eternal joy abundance i offer you glory um and, and At thy right hand are pleasures forevermore. Yeah. So if you if you really want pleasure, if you really want riches, if you really want purpose and meaning and significance and right. and adventure and all these right. things that we kind of right. seem to be chasing after these days, th- they're found first and foremost in Him. Right, and I think that that is probably the uh, either we're far too easily pleased or we're not fearing the right things. We're afraid of. Because on on one hand, and I like how holy, like you talk about Aaron's, you know, children um, having been killed. Right. Holiness can be scary is the thing. I mean, holiness can be um, intimidating and, and it should be. It rightfully is. And I think that's where Proverbs comes in. When you fear the Lord, that's the beginning of wisdom. He is the only one really worthy of fear. But the good news is he loves you. <laughs> it's funny. So, we make fun of holiness in our time. Holy rollers. And we talk. Uh, we, in your time. But the, <laughs> yeah. Man, the theme of holiness and purity. Oh, and beautiful. It, yeah. Oh, it, oh, it's glorious, night. really. Yeah. And we should pursue it with far, far more uh, intensity. And I'm afraid for us in America, we're gospel rich. We yeah. hear the gospel. We we see it. We, it's in stories. It's in movies. It's in music. We hear about it. But how many of us have been worthy, willing to pay the price to right. die to ourselves right. Right. and humble ourselves before the true and, and living God? that is the God. cost. The cost is you do give up your life. But what is that famous... He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Exactly right. Well, we've got one more segment to go. Give us a call, 210-340-9585. If you have something, we'd love to hear from you tonight about what it means to know and follow the God of the book of Leviticus in the 21st century. Love to hear from you. 210-340-9585. Don't you move.
crucified and risen for me. I will praise him through eternity. All right, welcome back to the Bible Live, our final segment here. We'd love to hear from you. (laughs) 210. 340-9585. That's our phone number. This last segment, we're trying to talk about, for us in the 21st century, who have walked and live in the full, brilliant light, the radiant light of Jesus, the Messiah, the redemptive plan of God completed, to go back now and to look at the book of Leviticus, this people who has been taken out of slavery and bondage in Egypt, uh, and they have been, they're gathered now at the base of Mount Sinai, and they're learning and they're being reminded of who their God. They're being reminded that their lives are caught up in who God is, the true true and living God. And they're being reminded that, that they are a people, a call to be a people of God, that he is their identity. Just as we are today as followers of Jesus the Messiah, we've been grafted into Israel now. We are part of uh, the, the family, the people of God throughout history. But now we're trying to go back and to understand these laws that they receive, the things that Moses is, the information Moses is giving them, this tabernacle that they have built, uh, the, this very simple construct where the, the, the presence of God is manifest and made known to them and, and they experience his daily, as he tells them when to make camp, break camp, he guides them and speaks to them. Uh, many, many times now, 50 times in the book of Leviticus, 50 times it says God speaks to Moses and said, give this message to the people. So God is speaking to the people uh, through Moses and and instructing them and guiding them and giving them uh, not only evidence of who he is and what he is like, but he's telling them how to experience him, how to grow in their knowledge of him, and how to treat each other, how to love and enjoy one another as the people of God. So much of those principles that are here present in the book of Leviticus, they're part of our experience now as God's people here in our city of San Antonio, in our state of Texas, in our nation, the United States, and in our world. So we need to learn how to walk and live and experience the powerful presence of God in our lives from day to day as well, how to walk in holiness, how to not only experience our justification, but how, how to participate with God in, in, in our sanctification, in, in our learning to live and experience all that we already have been made to be in Christ the Savior. So give us a call. Maybe you have a thought tonight as a believer here and in this era of the COVID, of this this illness is taking our nation and the, the state of the world today, the state of our nation, uh, ups and downs, back and forth, um, all the confusion. What do you say about God? What And we're going to celebrate the Messiah's coming in just a few days, uh, celebrate the birth of this one uh, this one that was promised and predicted and 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 uh, foreshadowed to us all throughout biblical history, uh, we're going to celebrate the fact that Messiah did come. He has come, and he has. We now walk and live in the light, the fulfilled light of of the Messiah, the Redeemer. Uh, give us a call if you'd like. I'd love to hear from you. A word of testimony about what that means to you today and how what we might learn from the experience of the people of Israel 
huddled there and gathered in their family groups and community and family, uh, their tribal settings uh, beneath Mount Sinai, what they're learning about the true and living God and what it means to them as a people group. As I've said before, God is involving himself here in some nation building. He is reminding them of who they are and the principles that should guide them in the way they should live and that they have a purpose in the redemptive plan of God. Their their purpose is to live for uh, and through the power of the true and living God so that they could be a light to all of those other nation groups, all those other people that live around them, that they could carry to them the light of hope, the light of redemption and salvation and purpose and, and all that it means to be a part of the people of God. That was now going to be a part of their calling as a nation. Give us a call if you'd like. We have just this segment to finish up our considerations on the book of Leviticus, 210-340-9585. We'd be glad to hear from you. And I'm almost certain you could add to our understanding uh, of uh, our appreciation for being the people of God here in the 21st century uh, as it relates to uh, the passage we read this week uh, about the people of God huddled under Mount Sinai. We read chapters 2 through 19 this past week. If you go to our website, thebiblelive.com, thebiblelive.com, you can read with us every week. We read through uh, uh, Monday through Friday, a 15 to 20 minute reading from the scriptures every weeknight. And then on Sunday night, we get a chance to discuss what we read the week before and what its meaning, its its lessons that it gives to us as God's people here in the 21st century. I invite you to join with us now through the rest of this year and the coming year, 2021, as we read again for our 20th time reading through the Bible every uh, every week. And just let's read through the Bible together and join us on this on this journey through the scriptures. Uh, again, though, we're waiting on your phone call, 210-340-9585. Stacy, what do you think here? We're looking at Leviticus. It's, it's, it, it seems when we look at these Old Testament scriptures, sometimes we look at it and we go, man, these people were primitives and they lived in tents and they sacrificed animals and they did all this. And, you know, we talked about the false gods of Egypt and Canaan and the the spiritual world of that time that very little clarity very little light for people to go by now they we can't say they didn't have any because they still had nature Mm -hmm. and nature rightly understood points to a creator Mm -hmm. and and i'm sure that in these other cultures and these other people there were Mm -hmm. isolated people and we see them they show up in scriptures every now and then there'll be someone that he was a follower after the true living Mm -hmm. god someone that's not from the tri- you know, the people of Abraham. And they, so they evidently found their way to worship the creator, the true and living God, yeah. through nature, uh, through other yeah. ways. I mean, of Moses, Moses himself, per- yeah. <laughs> for all intents and purposes, he was not raised Hebrew. The Bible. Moses himself was God word. That's right. He was uh, uh, Egyptian. Right. Moses himself. And- we are told that when we talk about natural revelation, what people can learn about God just from... Anybody anywhere on planet Earth is creation, the world around us, the sun, the moon, the stars, the seasons, uh, and not only the, the the 
the big picture, the sky, the moon, the big, but down to the tiny little world of insects and molecules and atoms and all of the, all of those things point to a, an absolutely amazing creator, being a wisdom and wise and good. Most of that created for our for our benefit, for mm-hmm. our provision, pleasure. So we have creation, then we have our own conscience, our consciousness, this special awareness we have as human beings of our surroundings mm-hmm. that that you know we we don't live our lives as part of creation like the animal kingdom does but we're able to separate ourselves out of nature and go hmm if i take that road it's going to go there and i take this road. we we have this ability to to contemplate and to, uh, to consider even objectively consider even our own selves our own lives and that gives rise to the idea of meaning and purpose and significance in life and uh is there life after death if a man if a man dies shall he live again that's a question even old job asked way back in the bible so we contemplate uh, immortality purpose meaning significance beauty art all of these things and so you've got uh creation consciousness the special awareness we have as human beings and then conscience the whole area of good and evil the idea that there are some behaviors, some attitudes that we consider. Every, every people group that's ever lived, uh, they found that there is an understanding in that people, uh, some sense of ought. There are certain attitudes, there are certain behaviors that we ought to have, that we ought to encourage in our children and so on. And there are other attitudes and behaviors that we should discourage, that we should punish, that we warn our children about them and, and resist. But that that sense of ought, where does it come from? Mm-hmm. The idea of right and wrong. So, what are those three? Those are those three are creation, uh-huh. consciousness, mm-hmm. and and conscience, good and evil. Our those are three of- areas of what is called natural revelation, general mm-hmm. revelation that God has given from the creation of the world. Right. He has given to every people group everywhere. The Egyptians had it. Mm-hmm. The Canaanites had it. The Israelites had it. Mm-hmm. So the, the true and living God has given this general revelation of himself. Now we're talking about a special revelation that he has given of himself mm-hmm. to through Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and the tribes, children of Israel, and now to this nation. They all were there at the base of Mount Sinai and heard God speak. Mm-hmm. They, they heard, they saw Moses come down after 40 days and his face glowing they heard the pronouncement of forgiveness mm-hmm. uh, and and the laws of God, and they so uh, all of that. We should appreciate that as believers today. Uh, this is not all gone and passed and over with. And Jesus said He didn't come to destroy this law; yeah. He completed it. Yeah, and that kind it's of segues. Yeah, that segues into what I thought was really interesting, which especially as we approach. Um, Christmas and the celebration of the birth mm-hmm. of Jesus was the uh, uh, the rituals and the cleansing that had to do with a woman giving birth <laughs> to a child. Yeah. yeah, to a child, and so all of these, you know, the, these ritual laws in Leviticus. Um, so, you know, if a, if a woman gives birth to a male child for seven days, you know, he has to be circumcised on the eighth day, the eighth so for day? the seventh days. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, I think it's 64 days or, you know, there's a set amount of days after that that she has to this or that mm-hmm. <laughs> having to do with period. But um, and that you go um, and then skip to, to Luke and 
when Jesus is born and there's Mary doing exactly going by the Leviticus law and is on the eighth day. She takes him because he was a male to the yeah. temple to be That's circumcised right. and get his name. And, and so even, I mean, even, you know, all these laws and what's put in place, I mean, there, there are some ups and downs in terms of the Hebrew people and there's some seasons of not abiding by the laws and, oh, yeah. um, but Jesus himself, and I think that that's the key, is he didn't come to do away with the law. And, and I think that our relationship with the law is a, it's a hard one. It's a struggle. Because on one hand, we need the law. We love the law, in fact. The law is what keeps a society civil. The law is what kind of gives us boundaries and borders. The law is what protects us. But we also kind of... It's a reflection of the character of God in a world like we live in. Sure. But the law can also be something that we hate, (laughs) especially Mm -hmm. when we break it or when we don't like a certain law. So we have this kind of love. There's this tension with the law. And what Jesus... You might liken it to attention with authority. Sure. With authority. And then also even uh, attention with our own self. A law is it becomes a mirror and and when we look in that mirror often we do not we we see how how unworthy uh, we, see all of our we are and we, all of our yes. blemishes and all of our yeah. yeah and once we do and um, then we have what do we what do we do with that you know what do we and and that's where Jesus and his coming to fulfill the law in our in our place that 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 breaks down the law is his law is love <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. that that the law is our our friend the law is um like i mean david in the psalms you know his love for the law and i think we've talked about that before i think that, and before i think jesus's fulfillment of the law we tend to think of a law as enslaving keeping us a slave to the law but with Jesus having fulfilled it and with us being able to st- to receive that, the law becomes freedom, actually. Yeah. Kind of paradoxically, the law is our very, is our freedom. And then it and comes freedom into, doesn't mean the, the, the ability to live as we want. Right? It's the freedom to live as we ought. Yes, yes. And, 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 yeah. and I like what you're saying there because it might carry us into the experience right. of a godly man or woman in the time of Moses who loved God and wanted God right. and wanted to be a part of God's people, right. that they would by faith know that, as I take that lamb to be sacrificed, not that their sins are covered by the blood of an animal. That, right. that was never part. But the whole point was that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. The soul that sins, right. it shall die. They understood that sin's consequences are death. Yeah. And as we were talking about before, even all of these these dietary laws and all the laws of cleanliness and uncleanliness had to, something to do with their proximity to death. Mm-hmm. Many of the animals that they were forbidden to eat were bottom feeders, were, mm-hmm. were scavenger animals that, that ate from the death of other, they ate dead animals. Mm-hmm. And so they were, not, they were not to be, in other words, a lot of the dietary laws, a lot of these, even the sanitary laws, right. if you touch blood or if you right. touch uh, around death or touch a dead body, right. uh, all of that 
was this is a distance we understand that death was the penalty that had to be paid right. because of sin and that the idea was that this lamb god was going to pay the penalty of our death and by faith and trust as i took this lamb to be sacrificed or this bull or this sacrifice it's it's not that the blood of the lamb that lamb was but it was symbolic that god is yeah. making an atonement yeah. God is going, and eventually Which the Lamb of God us. who takes away the sin of the world right. would come. Right, and so positionally, mm-hmm. where once we were bound to death, positionally we are then now free yes. to uh, to pursue God and so life. So you're talking about a God-fearing, mm-hmm. a godly Jewish, uh, Israeli man or woman or family in this in this era. Mm-hmm. They trusted in God by faith in his gracious, in his goodness, in his provision. And they symbolized that, they expressed that faith by sacrificing this lamb as a mm-hmm. symbol of their faith and trust that God's mm-hmm. atoning work on their behalf. And so then by faith, they were in God. They right. were with God's people. And they were bound to life, yes, not to death. And now they were to go out and try to live yeah. as free God's people, yeah. treat others as, a way, as God's people, share that message of God's truth and the freedom of the finding God, the mm-hmm. true and living God. And then th- this is what Leviticus is all about, is telling them these are the ways that you're now to live. Yeah. And it's going to help you grow in your relationship with the true and living God, know him better and better. And at the same time, it's going to allow you to reflect his glory Um, to other people. Yeah. Well, it reminds me, too. So that freedom to positionally pursue life and in turn to allow life, God himself, to come into your presence. And when that happens, um, there is you endure. And it reminds me so much of, you know, the law with Jesus fulfilling the law and with him in Leviticus having given us opportunity to express that positionally to choose life over death to distance from death and choose life it's freedom and then what you said freedom though to do what it's not freedom to do licentious it's freedom to um to pursue ultimate meaning holiness and which is the reason for which we were created to have holiness and be righteous and complete um, in the relationship with our creator. And it reminds me of that. Have you read the um, Frankel man's search for meaning like a man? Uh, so he writes about, he, he went through the Holocaust, uh, who, who Victor, Victor about? Frankel, Victor Frankel man's search okay. for meeting. Victor Frankel. Right. I, I mean, it's, it's, it's uh, his experience in the Holocaust mm-hmm. and he is a doctor. And basically the book is kind of his observation of when uh, you can just tell when a person, uh, he was with all men, but when a, when a person no longer has meaning, you know, when they've kind of given up, there's just no purpose, there's no, no reason, hope. no hope, no, he could always kind of see it inevitably they would they would die shortly after. And I, I mean, I'm not necessarily equated, but, but we, we need meaning we we need purpose we need and it kind of goes back to that c.s lewis um our pursuit when we settle for things that aren't eternal or that aren't rich and and worthy worthy, then it will lead to to death we are we must be free to pursue god in other words we must be free to pursue 
meaning to have um, to search to search for him. And of course, I will find that he's been after us all along. Mm-hmm. But um, mm-hmm. I just I thought that that was. I think I mean that I think in 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 terms of Leviticus, he's just giving us such a a sweet roadmap to uh, yeah. to that pursuit pursue meaning. When I him. when <laughs> I read the book of Leviticus, it seems just as ancient and far removed to me as it is as it does to any to you or to any of our listeners. We read that and we try to picture these people in robes, living in tents under a mountain all of the difficulty and all the struggle and all of the discomfort and everything that all of that might mean to us. And I see the same thing. And yet I realize that as human beings, they have the same longings, the same desires, purpose, meaning, significance, eternal life, hope for life, for immortality, all of those things that we hope for and long for still today. Mm -hmm. uh, I really, I, I am... I am so grateful that we live when we do. I mean, we have the book of Leviticus. We have their experience. We have the things that God taught them on a very basic, fundamental level, mm-hmm. who he is and what what would satisfy him, his redemptive plan, his love for us. And sometimes I'm just amazed that anyone would reject or ignore such a beautiful, beautiful picture. Uh, I mean, it, it is indescribably beautiful what God has done mm-hmm. and what he's done for us, mm-hmm. drawing us, loving us, calling us. And I would call on all of our listeners tonight, if you haven't made that decision to surrender your heart and life to God and pursue him and to trust in Jesus, Yeshua, the Messiah, Trust in the the Savior that God sent to forgive the Lamb of God who took away all of our sin. I would encourage you to open your heart. Jesus said, as many as receive him, to them he gives the right to become the very children of God. Receive him this Christmas season. Couldn't be a better time. (laughs) Have a Merry Christmas, everyone. God bless you. See you next Sunday. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping restore the Bible to our culture. Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's Box 18888. San Antonio, Texas 78218. Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 930 on this great station. Then join Sophie every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The The Bible Bible Live Live Quiz Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Sophie and The Bible Live Broadcast. You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world. 